electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. President Biden set to meet face-to-face with China's President Xi Jinping Wednesday. Today on Tech Check, China and the U.S. hoping to stabilize tensions amid a downward spiral in relations. Why business and tech are the areas to watch. It's Monday, November 13th. Welcome to the Tech Check Podcast. I'm Deirdre Bosa. And I'm Mark Gilbert. The APEC meetings this week in San Francisco, China and the United States and tech, an area where the two sides could win some concessions and stabilize a relationship that's been fraught and increasingly tense over the last few years. And the biggest beneficiaries are potentially tech companies. They could also be the biggest losers. But when you look at the sheer amount of issues, right, that has been building between the two countries, economics is still the bedrock of that relationship. So you would think that while you may not get full resolutions, at least you could get concessions. It's a relatively safer place versus, say, human rights or even climate change or military positions. Um, Tech is sort of where there could be some concessions, there could be some increased limits as well. But that's why you want to look at it this week. So front and center, let's take the chip export ban, right? The Biden administration now and before them, the Trump administration has been trying to cut off high-end chip sales to the Chinese customers. The idea being protect U.S. intellectual property and slow down China's tech development, especially when it comes to the military. Um, But companies in both countries, they have found workarounds and loopholes for years, Mark. Right. And I think that this is sort of the learning a lesson from the previous cycle where, uh, you know, U.S. experts feel like a lot of the intellectual property was, um, you know, slowly... uh, transferred to China. So this time around, we've seen the setting up of JVs, uh, tweaking chip design in certain ways, renting through the cloud. So you rent access to chips instead of buying them outright. Just some of the ways that companies have been able to evade controls. And one example that we talked about last week, one of China's buzziest um, generative AI startups openly admitting to stockpiling 18 months worth of NVIDIA's most advanced chips that are critical critical to the race. So just sort of came out and said, uh, yeah, we, we knew about the export ban. And so we've been stockpiling chips for, for months. Right. That was Kaifu Lee's company, Zero One.ai, um, became a unicorn, I think, in like eight months. It was just so fast, that ascent. But that ascent is almost directly related to the amount of compute power you have access to, aka NVIDIA, aka H100, right? Those chips that are so essential. And then you think about this, right? If companies are finding loopholes anyways, and what President Biden, what President Xi want this week is a handshake and to reassure, you know, business leaders in both companies that they're going to work together or at least put a floor under the relationship. This is an area where they could potentially like make some concessions on the surface while still trying to limit technology, right? Still having that bifurcated US-China technology path, but it's an area where they could shake hands and say, you know, we're going to work towards more cooperation, which sometimes that's what these things are about, right? A handshake. And definitely it feels like that the headlines sort of um, 
you know, building up to this that that, you know, have uh, where reporters get briefed by um, by government officials. It definitely feels like the tone has been uh, trying to signal a softening and a coming together uh, and some type of, of agreement that's going to be made instead of a, a more combative posture. Right. And then when you think about long term where the chip industry is going, right, um, the U.S. is trying to bring chip manufacturing back home into the U.S. or diversify outside of China and even outside of Taiwan because of concerns about the ties between China and Taiwan and what might happen there. That is very long term. You could say things in the short term that wouldn't be as high stakes as some of the issues on the table that we're likely to hear less about, even incrementally. So what also makes Semi so interesting and important this week is that they've really been leading the stock market rally on Wall Street over the last few weeks, right? Um, so the stakes are high for the markets. Um, they could either get a fresh catalyst if there's any sense of easing of export controls, or it could also sort of stop the rally because they could put more limits on. Let's say that that is also a possibility. I know that the companies want to put a floor under relations, but there could be some tough talk too. Yeah, exactly. Which could maybe pull the floor out, um, you know, if that's why some of these stocks have moved higher. I do want to sort of take a step back. The S and P is up seven point two percent in the last two weeks. Seen a pretty significant melt up. Uh, it has not been a broad rally. It's been really focused, uh, you know, on a particular, uh, you know, in a lot of the big technology companies, but in particular, semis. Semis in the last. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, two weeks are up 14%. Software is up 11%. Internet is up just 8%. Right. And that's a continuation of the theme that we saw from the beginning of this year is semi seen as the picks and shovels of this generative AI shift. They've been leading the way, but second half, more of a stumble, more of, as we like to talk about, Mark, show me the AI money and don't just tell me about it. Um, so stakes are potentially high here. The other company that we spend a lot of time talking about is... Apple, right? There's just been so many headlines from China. And this is a company that has been so successful, and you could call it sort of one of these rare successful American companies in tapping the Chinese market. But of late, probably more challenges, right? When it comes to supply chain, when it comes to demand, when it comes to competition with the likes of Xiaomi and Huawei. Right. I think, you know, so we were talking about the biggest beneficiaries, right? It could be Apple. Uh, Xiaomi could be, a, you know, on the loser side because uh, we were talking about a headline today earlier, D, you and I, um, that Xiaomi has seen uh, huge market share gains, uh, you know, as well as Huawei uh, because of, um, you know, restrictions on iPhones or perceived, you know, pessimism about iPhones from the Chinese government. Um, so will those Chinese smartphone makers continue to make uh you know, market share, or if Apple gets, uh, you know, gets the open hand instead of the closed fist, and there's that sort of subtle signal that things are going the other way, what's at stake for, for those companies? You know, it would be an interesting signal, which I do not think we're going to get this week. <laughs> but imagine if President Xi Jinping carries around his smartphone in his pocket, and he puts it on the table. Wouldn't it be interesting to see if he's using an iPhone, a Huawei, or a Xiaomi? <laughs> I would be surprised if he was using an iPhone. But I know. I, but he's, he's definitely using a Huawei Mate. Yeah, you got to use a think? hometown. Come on. Yeah, I don't think anyone's doing <laughs> that. I mean, the other story was, was Meta, right? Last week, we talked about this. Meta struck a deal with Tencent. Um, it's been 14 years uh, since it was blocked in China, and now uh, that Meta is more, um, you know, developing these hardware products, Tencent is actually going to be selling uh, a piece of um, Meta hardware in the country, and that's interesting to watch as well. 
And there's a lot of questions because for the last few years, it feels like the tensions between China and U.S. have only been ramping up. But Meta does not do this softly or quickly. They've thought a lot about it. And if they think there's an opportunity to do business in China right now after being shut out 14 years ago, then maybe there's reason for other companies to have that optimism. It's hard for us to see as sort of reporters and journalists on this because of what's said publicly. But you have to wonder if Xi Jinping is going to signal that China's open for foreign businesses. And after the summit, I think he's holding a banquet with U.S. executives. So that alone could have some major symbolism and encourage. I mean, we're going to continue to report on it, but I think it's going to be fascinating to see which companies are included, um, you know, and which companies get access there. I think that's going to be a really fascinating meeting. The other, you know, speaking of sort of being on the, on the ground, the other interesting part of this is San Francisco itself, right? (laughs) What's at stake for the city and and the, the city's narrative as a, you know, as a global tech center. Don't I know it? I mean, that's all everyone here. And, you know, I live in San Francisco has been talking about over the last week is how almost instantly and magically clean and safe it has begun it has become leading up to the apex summit but we've known this for months this is a chance for san francisco to change that so-called doom loop narrative that's been all over the media this year since the end of the pandemic and it's a chance to promote the city's tech revival something that we've been talking a lot about as well but it's very specific if you don't live here on the ground you don't hear about it as much but companies like OpenAI and anthropic the buzziest generative ai companies are renting huge amounts of office space the mayor has london breed has said many times now that she wants to clean up the city she's going to get tougher she wants more police on the streets she wants to solve the homeless and open-air drug market problem so this week is a test and you know you can say, oh, they're only doing this for APAC. But I mean, I think there was a clip of Governor Gavin Newsom saying that, yeah, we're doing it because APAC is here. That's what a lot of cities do, Gilbert. Um, You have to hope, though, that maybe it stays that way. The Olympics. Yeah. The Olympics or, you know, there's some big event in town and cities clean up. I saw a a funny post that was... um, that was, was it, I think it was Mike Isaac at the New York Times, got to shout him out, that it was, uh, you know, they need to hold APEC here at once a year. So they clean <laughs> up once a year. You know, it's like uh, it's like spring cleaning in uh, in November. Hey, you've got Dreamforce. Mark Benioff is on Twitter too, or X, claiming that the city got cleaned up for, for Dreamforce. For, for Dreamforce. I will say that you do, if you do get more conferences coming back here, that will be helpful. You know what that won't be helpful with, Mark, is my kids play hockey at the only ice rink in downtown San Francisco, which is right by the Moscone Center where all the conferences are. So it's not personally helpful to me, I will say. It makes for a lot of traffic. Right. Hockey's canceled yeah, this week. Exactly. <laughs> the tra- yeah, maybe the streets are going to be cleaner, but the, uh, the, uh, the traffic is going to be worse. There's going to be more cars. The other major Chinese news that we got over the weekend was that Singles Day was on Saturday. Singles Day, obviously, is the uh, 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 11-11. It's the big Chinese shopping holiday. Um, they, Alibaba and JD have, have stopped releasing figures about their exact sales. So it's tough to get, I mean, Amazon doesn't release figures about its prime day sales really either. Um, but I was but looking they at never sort have. of some external. Amazon never has. Alibaba right. has typically released those figures. They've even had a huge GMV clock or whatever you want to call it that runs for the entirety totally. of singles day. So they've been very proud they of it. they stopped during COVID. Exactly. Yeah, I was reading about that. Yeah, th- yeah, I remember that. The big GMV clock. I used wow, to good call. Yes, what a memory. up and up in yes. these billions of dollars. Almost like unfathomable how much money could be spent in such a short amount of time. GMV obviously is uh, gross merchandise volume, which yes. is basically not just not the revenue that Alibaba was making. It was the total revenue that was being that was, 
you know, sellers and buyers across the platform of which they take a small yeah. fee. Um, but so I, lo- I looked at some estimates. It was, you know, maybe they manage single digit growth, um, you know, over the over the three or four weeks preceding November 11th. I actually saw one estimate, which is maybe it was a little down year over year. Um, but but overall, I think the the expectation was that there was some growth. I think then the, uh, you know, better than feared. But I think then the uh, the flip side of that is not fantastic growth, right? And and the only one I saw that that really did have strong growth was Pinduoduo, mm-hmm. um, which owns Timu, and they had uh, they had growth by one estimate of twenty percent. And I think the takeaway is that this wasn't a slam dunk. Um, it was okay, but. If you're looking at Singles Day as you would a Black Friday um, or a holiday shopping, it paints a picture of a weaker Chinese consumer. And that's very interesting for the subject we were just talking about, Meta, thinking that China presents this enormous opportunity to sell VR headsets. If the consumer is sort of lackluster in China right now and American companies are looking to go in, and we've seen actually this problem with Apple in terms of iPhone demand not being as great as some hoped it would be. If you're totally. a meta and you haven't been there totally. for 14 years and now you're looking for the Chinese consumer to boost sales of your brand new product, VR headsets may not be such an easy thing. <laughs> There's sort of multiple var- variables coming on here, right? Which is one, um, you know, are you going to get access to the China market at all? And yep. how much is the Chinese government going to sort of privilege its own products or its own, you know, Chinese made products over American companies? So that's one. And then two is just yeah, GDP growth in China. How, how strong actually is that consumer market, even if you do get access to it? And there's always the risk of doing business or even especially developing technology inside of China is companies looking, Chinese companies looking to American ones and copying or taking that IP, right? So, even if Xi Jinping this week signals that China's open for business, there's still those risks. And, you know, in covering China for years, starting my career there, you never know when they're going to spring up. So as always, the lesson is you need a, a tough stomach to go into that market. Um, but we'll see around the edges. There's lots that could happen this week. We'll be watching it all. We've got a front row view here in San Francisco. And we'll report to you from the congested streets. See you tomorrow. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard.